Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in. It is... The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake uh, coming at you live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Lloyd Cole across the glass from me. And uh, Gordon's not connected yet, so we'll we'll let you know when, when Gordon gets connected. Uh, hi, Lloyd. Hi, Jake. How are you doing? How are you, buddy? Uh, you know what? Uh, it's been a day. It has been a It has a day. been a day. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's been a, a unique, sad day in a lot of ways in this country, and uh, you know we won't dwell on it because you're coming here for sports and probably to be distracted from what's Even going that part's on in, sad, though. in uh, the country right now. But yeah, that part that part's is, sad. That is not a, that was a rough game yesterday. It's not terrific either. Yeah. yeah, who would who would think the distracting, like fun thing to talk about would be a 34 point loss to the to right. the Nets? But we'll get into it, and no, uh, no rest for the weary. The, the Jazz have the Knicks uh, tonight in New York, so we'll certainly talk about that. That game will tip off coming your way a little after five thirty, and uh, pregame will begin at four thirty. The reason uh, Lloyd is is sticking around and producing today is because Austin is filling in as the EP of the Jazz broadcast. So Austin will be along with us uh, a little bit later. All right, I hear he's there. Safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Jake. How are you today? I'm good. We're having, are we having some technical uh, issues? What's going on? No, I, I made a mistake. I think it was my fault this time. Every other time it's been something else's fault, someone else's fault, something else's fault. But this one mine. Okay. I got, uh, I got, I got here a tad bit late and then I made a mistake as I was uh, getting hooked up but uh, I'm a little distracted today Jake because of the political happenings of the day I've got to be honest with you man you and I we talk straight up all the time we joke around we like to have a good time and we like to talk about sports but uh, the storming of the U.S. Capitol is just a little too much for me to wrap my mind around i'm a little upset by that and uh, sorry to uh, bring that but uh, this i know we talk sports but this is something that's pretty hard to ignore you know what i mean yeah and i i brought it up yeah i brought it up a, a few moments ago yeah. and uh you know i said who who would have known the distracting news uh you know the the positive fun part of today would be a 34 point loss to the nets but yeah i mean and just to uh you bring it up the, what's going on right now is not political that's not politics 
that, yeah, that is not the political news of the day. This is not what some uh, bozo congressman had to say. This is uh, yeah. uh, very, very serious, and uh, and it's scary in a lot of ways. Uh, feeling uh, shame and embarrassment for this country today, and um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, Gordon, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about a 34 point loss to the Nets because yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's tough. It's hard. It's yeah, hard it's to ignore, though. It really is, Jake. I mean, this is. Uh, this, I, I've seen a lot of things in my day. I've lived a long life, and I haven't seen this. Well, and it hasn't is, happened since 1812, so I would hope yeah, that you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's pathetic, is what it is, and it's ignorant and it's uh, sad. So and it's uh, it's it's a little bit insane, but uh, anyway, and, and and look, I mean, many of our listeners, you know, you and I have our own political thoughts, and I've made a few of mine public through as time has gone by, and some people agree, some people disagree, whatever, you know, and we like to rally around sports and sort of look at it and think of it, and and sometimes we disagree there too, but we try to have fun doing it, as much fun as we can have, but this. This is something every sports fan should be very concerned about and not stand for. I mean, this cannot, this cannot stand. People, and I don't know what people can do. I don't know what your average citizen can do about this at this point. But, I, I, I mean, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be recognized, and it needs to be aborted. It needs to be changed. And this... This cannot continue on this way. It's come on. We have our disagreements politically, and let's go ahead and disagree. But this is this cannot in American in an American country, our proud once proud nation. This is not a proud day. No, it's not. But and it won't continue. Sanity, sanity as you say, will uh, will return and and order will be restored. But uh, I have faith in in this country and its systems to to get it right. It's just. Well, we can disagree. We can disagree without taking it to the nth degree. Uh, power just isn't worth that. And that's been a staple of our society here for hundreds of years, and it can go on being that way. Let's go ahead and disagree at times. You vote, vote the way you want to vote and, and call out what you want to call out. But when it gets to this level, uh, everybody needs to rally around uh, our American traditions, and uh, that's not what's happened today. No, it's it's certainly not. So, Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. And and really, I, I, we won't dwell on it today. But if there is any breaking news uh, on that aspect, we will we will certainly pass it along. But yeah, uh, you know, Gordon, you and I uh, disagree about sports all the time, and uh, still manage to uh, remain very very good friends. And uh, you know, it, it's it is possible out there. Well, if we all agreed all the time, I'd start to worry about everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, disagreement. There's a place for disagreement. There's, it's, it, it. We all can learn from that, but not like this. Uh, this is just bizarre and dangerous. It's menacing, and uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's on all of our minds, and it should be. But even if we disagree, I don't care how far left you lean or how far right you lean, Republican, Democrat whatever your religion is, whatever, you're still an American citizen. And uh, this, the, the people who are complaining about this process, this election process, they were elected by the very same process. So, I mean, 
it's just uh, somewhat hypocritical when you protest when the man you want to see in office is voted out or voted whatever. You know, I mean, that, that's something that – would any of this be going on right now if uh, a certain sitting president had uh, gotten a second term? I doubt it. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry, Jake. I just no, – right. I, I just – this is – it's heavy on my mind today. And like I said, I mean, I, I saw Watergate. I've seen wars. I've seen uh, political corruption. I've seen the civil rights movement and the way those leaders were treated. And I, I've seen a lot of stuff over in all my day. I don't think I've seen a day like this. Well, Lloyd is here. Hi, Lloyd. Lloyd, Sorry to bring you in on such a happy hey, note. Hey, guys. It's good to see you, Lloyd. Oh, you know, we don't have Lloyd produce. Sorry, uh, there's a lot of for... people in and out, so I'm uh, on and off with the mask, and i got to pull it off. No, you're, you're doing like three and jobs. It's all right. What's going on, guys? Yeah. Hi. Uh, how Thanks are you? Thanks for sitting in, Lloyd. Yeah, we, we appreciate, appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So, Austin, so what? I, I'm sure uh, – oh, go ahead. You no, can no, 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 no. What's going on no, with Austin? No, Austin uh, is going to be producing the jazz game tonight, so – uh, Lloyd is is filling in for Austin, and then Austin will be here a little later. Locke will be on with us at two thirty, so that'll be good. Locke a little earlier because it is a, a game night. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we if we want to circle back toward sports and talk about what happened with the Jazz, I uh, uh, Bowler and I were in communication with each other last night uh, after that game and uh, discussing various topics of what we witnessed there. And that, I got to tell you, there haven't been a whole lot of games in my time watching the Jazz. And that goes back to the, you know, the 70s when I've seen what I saw last night. Well, let's let's and, get to the split story of the day. Yeah. Sounds like you've got a, a strong opinion, uh, locked and loaded. Let's, let's get into it. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. Kyrie driving behind the back pass to Allen who dunks on Gobert. Wow, Jarrett Allen. Woo! Over to Kyrie, splits the double team with a low dribble, fakes the ball at Gobert and scores it. He is a magician with the basketball. That is terrific. Kyrie's nine of nine with 22 points. I'm tired of saying it, but you got to hand it. You got to hand it to the other team for coming out that way. We got to find a way to, you know, we just didn't do much right uh, today as a whole, and that can't happen after a really, really good performance. Um, it's been the story all season. What are we three and three, four and three, whatever it is? Um, that's indicative of our play. You know, we have three good games. It's going to be two and a half good games and then three bad ones. So it's like, you know, we got to figure out who we want to be uh, right now. Fortunately, it's six games and not 26 or 60. Uh, we have time to turn this around, but we need to start now. Not good for the Utah Jazz last night, Gordon. They lose 130 to 96 to the Brooklyn Nets, who Woo. did not have Kevin Durant. You spoke with Bowler. You were, you were inspired to uh, express some opinions. You will now share with the Big Show listener. Well, okay. Well, I didn't get I – mean, Bowler and I were just sort of going back and forth, but it, it, it wasn't real in-depth. But uh, the, the, the observations were similar. And, I, I, you know, I understand that teams have off nights. I mean, that's going to happen sometimes. And, Jake, I, I, I'm wrong. 
as much as I'm right, probably. But all season long, have I not been saying that this Jazz team, when they're good, they're going to look really good, and when they're bad, they're going to look bad. And that's exactly what happened when we saw them against the Spurs and then we saw them against the Nets. And, but getting into some of the problems, I mean, when you shoot 38%, 32% from three, and you get out-rebounded and you have more turnovers and you're on the road, you're going to get beat, and you're going to get beat soundly. And that's what happened in that game. I mean, the Jazz, when that game started, we talked about the importance of a good start for this team. It seems like they thrive with that. You know, somebody makes a shot. Somebody makes a good read, a good pass, and, and somebody make, you know finishes well. And they, they get their spirits up, and it energizes them at the defensive end. And last night, when I saw when I saw what I saw just in the opening minutes, I thought this is going to be a long, long night for this team, and that's exactly what it was. And so I, what I have been trying to figure out is was it a was it a, a sort of a lackadaisical attitude? Was it uh, fundamental from a mental standpoint, or? Do you subscribe to the idea that, well, some nights the ball just doesn't go in the basket and that's just the way it is? Because I did not see I, first, a couple things. First, I, th- I thought what Quinn Snyder said, uh, the word he used, uh, the words lack of urgency was evident. And then I love what Donovan Mitchell said in that, in that bite we just played there. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we got to decide what we want to be. Those are fundamental mental processes, thoughts. And that means you're going to go out and fight like hell. That means you're going to go out and play hard every single night. That's not what I saw last night. I didn't see that. And I saw it out of the Nets. I didn't see that out of the Jazz. So, I mean, you've you've analyzed this game every which way possible, and you were talking about it last night. What are your thoughts for our listeners now? So this is is kind of my diagnosis, uh, Gordon, and and this is me sitting on it a little bit. I didn't quite share this opinion last night on the show, but um, I don't like the whole, well, you're going to make some and you're going to miss some Uh uh, justification. You know I'm I'm not wild about that. I think it lacks uh, lacks nuance. But this is what I saw last night. Their fundamental flaw – which is guarding on the perimeter, specifically yep. guards, mm-hmm. did them in in the first half of the first quarter. By the end of the first quarter, the game was over. So we can say, you know, oh, they didn't shoot well in the second, third, and fourth quarters uh, because basically the game was over. I mean, I don't know why, I don't know if you want to say you lose your edge after you go down twenty to four, and Kyrie yeah. Irving is lighting Royce O'Neal on fire. And I don't want to, you know, it, it's always sounds so harsh when you say they rolled over, but the game was over after the first quarter. So everything from there on out, I mean, Donovan Mitchell put out some good energy and, and did some, I mean, he ended up with, what, 31 points, you know, mm-hmm. about 10 of 22 shooting. I mean, that's that's uh, that's decent. But I, I got the impression that everybody else was uh, back at the hotel waiting for the Knicks after the first quarter. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, serious, and I, I know that's quite, a, quite an accusation, but listen, unless they can, can, unless they can figure out a way – to slow down players like Kyrie Irving. And, and uh-huh. Kyrie's really, really good. But, you know, think of the other dynamic guards in the West. Damian Lillard, of course, is, is the yeah. first one that comes to mind. Last night, when Royce O'Neal could not stop him, they had no one else to do it. 
And that's a problem. That that's a problem. So we can examine effort and those sorts of things. But if you want to look at like something that that you can take from that game, is they're going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to because there are a lot of not a lot of players. There there are more players in this league that are going to be able to do that to the Jazz. They had no answer. They couldn't say, yeah. okay, let's put somebody else on them. The, the, schematically, they couldn't do anything. He was just cooking Royce O'Neal, and no offense to Royce, but he's overmatched against a player like Kyrie Irving. The Jazz have to have another option, and I don't know if that's Donovan Mitchell um, you know, starching the shirt and going out there and, and trying to, to keep Kyrie in front of him. I, I don't know what the answer is. Well, but he, that, was beat, he was getting beat last night too. Yes, so that is what cooked him. They, they did not have answers for a guard that could beat his man one-on-one, and it did them in before the game really even started. Okay, so for discussion's sake, let's talk about this dichotomy between the physical and the mental because what you're talking about, a lot of it is, is the mental. I mean, I'm sorry, the physical. Uh, and, and we've talked forever about the Jazz's need for improved perimeter defense. This has been going on for a while now. Yep. And, okay, so and how many times have you been watching a game and you think the thought, oh, wow, you know, Kyrie Irving, he's a great player. But the Jazz are making him look like he's from a different planet. You know, it, it, it's a combination of talent on the one side and a lack of ability or, yeah, lack of ability to do anything about it on the other. But, that, okay, so you're having a, dip, a, t- a tough time stopping Kyrie Irving. But what else is going on? You're getting crushed in the paint, Jake. You're yeah. getting crushed in the paint. And some of that was penetration on the part of Kyrie. I get that. But other players were really hurting the Jazz around the basket. And that's not usually something that you say. You, you know, Matt Harping likes to use that help-the-helper thing, but there was a whole lot of stuff where somebody was shifting over Rudy Gobert often and nobody getting in position either to guard Rudy's man or to get the rebound if, if, uh, if the shot is missed. And so there's, there, there's that going on, but then there's what the Jazz were doing at the offensive end and they, okay, they knew they were overmatched. With Kyrie Irving was feeling it, but how do if you can't stop that, can you at least slow it or at least match it at the other end? And the Jazz couldn't shoot straight, didn't shoot straight. And are they so distracted by what's going on with Kyrie that they can't they can't uh, fight back at the other end? I mean, I know once you're down by twenty points, it's hard just to match baskets. From that point on, you're going to lose. But you got to be able to cause problems at the other end uh, and not just sit there and watch these guys blow by you and then you go down at the other end and just pop off a shot and watch it tear them off and all of a sudden transition the other way. I mean, the Jazz did not answer at all on their offensive end. And that – I mean, I'm talking in broad strokes here, but you, you get my point. Well, 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 you covered a lot of ground, but let me let me go on in the paint here for a second, and and actually add another little note because hey, maybe, maybe Steve Nash knows what he's doing after all because he made a couple of really key lineup adjustments. He uh-huh. he played Jarrett Allen 
yeah. instead of DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan only played nine minutes last night. That should probably be about his average going forward because Jared Allen is good, and he is huge, and he was pushing Rudy around. And we know, Gordon, that that is the type of player that Rudy struggles with, the the Steven Adams type, right, the, the, the big made-of-granite player that's that's not afraid of contact, and that's what Jared Allen was. I mean, right down to that behind-the-back uh, pass from Kyrie, and he dunked right on Rudy. I mean, that was the that was the play that personified the night for me. But then also that he put in Bruce Brown, who is a really good defensive player. So he was able to take those early minutes on Donovan Mitchell where Kyrie Irving, if you noticed, was kind of uh, just shading Royce O'Neal in the corner. Uh-huh. So yeah. he was able to not have to to play any defense because Bruce Brown was going to go out there and and uh, you know take Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley. So those were two pretty savvy moves, I thought, uh, by Steve Nash, and maybe the Jazz weren't uh, expecting that impact right out of the start of the game. But there's no doubt that Jared Allen, uh, 19 points and 18 rebounds, and when you say the Nets were physical with the Jazz, it it was one player. It was Jared yeah. Allen, and he was 19 <laughs> points, 18 rebounds, three steals and two block shots, and was fantastic. And that's, also, that's, that's something that we know about Rudy, though. I, I mean, uh, that's something that he's going to have to figure out. He's got those high hips. It's, it's hard for him to go against those players, and, and maybe he wasn't expecting it. But that, that was the major issue. There was something else that I observed was when, when Donovan Mitchell, especially early in the game, when he had the ball and he was trying to maneuver and doing the things that uh, he typically can do, did you notice – how the Nets were, were building a bit of a wall around him. And when I saw them do that, I looked over at the Nets bench and saw none other than Mike D'Antoni sitting there. It looked a lot like what the Rockets did to the Jazz in those playoff series. Yeah. And, so- and so Mike is sitting over there feeding Steve all kinds of information about what worked against this team uh, in the playoffs. And, and it did work. Uh, you brought up a great point there with the physicality. Uh, and the Jazz were getting shoved around by more than just one player. I, I, I thought I saw that uh, shoved around and, and run circles around, really. I mean, much more energy on the part of the Nets. And it was evident. And the, the Jazz just looked like somebody hit them over the head with a two-by-four. Yeah, it all started with with the perimeter defense, though. That's that's going to be an issue that they're going to have going forward, and something that uh, we'll keep an eye on. We'll we'll talk. So, to do you think when do you think when they run into that kind of problem that they are capable of matching it at the other end? <laughs> By what you mean like trading buckets? Yeah, uh, I mean capable, sure, but uh, I mean they got to figure something out, Gordon. They got buried. Yeah, they sure did. And that was. That was an embarrassment. For and, the Utah and, Jazz. and in all honesty, if, if if that much of your salary cap is is tied up in Rudy Gobert, you gotta be a defensive team. Yeah. You 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 yeah. have to be, right? I mean you can't just sign somebody and, and hey Rudy, I'm all for resigning Rudy, but if you're gonna pay him the, the lion's share of the cash and then just, you know, not be good at what he's good at, that doesn't make any sense. So trading baskets, I mean I guess we could get into that. I, I think that's not how this jazz team is designed. Well, you're you're right, uh, Rudy Gobert. I, you know, it's kind of weird because you can point the finger at him, and but sometimes I feel sorry for Rudy because it seems like everybody else's man uh, is getting beat, 
all his teammates are getting beat, and then it's left up to him to cover two or three different guys. Yep. Oh, and I'm... I understand oh. he's 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 capable of doing that at times, but last night he was just spinning in circles. Well, I I feel bad for him too, and it's got to be frustrating uh, to a certain extent that like he had his hands full last night with his own guy. Yeah. And he could have used his teammates to step up and, and take a little pressure off of him with some defense of their own. Because you're right. I mean, the way he guards the pick and roll, you know, the, we have Locke coming up next, the way he puts it, you know, Rudy does three different actions off the pick and roll. He's, I mean, he's capable of of covering a lot of ground and covering multiple guys at once, and, and he's improved so much uh, from that aspect. But he had, his, he had his own plate full last night, and he could have used some some guys to guard their own guy. You know what I mean? And there yeah. were some rotations that didn't come, and and Allen got some dunks because some guys didn't help Rudy. Getting back to your help the helper point, but really, you know, he had his own hands full last night. He needed some help, and he didn't get it. Yeah, yep, exactly. All right, Locke is coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show ninety seven five and twelve eighty the Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time now to welcome in Jeff Grimes. He used to be the offense coordinator at BYU. Now he's the offense coordinator at Baylor. At what point did you realize Zach Wilson was going to be projected as a very high NFL draft pick? I would say early season, the way he was throwing the ball, it told me early on we're not going to have this guy much longer. And when I saw him make the throw that he made to Dax against Houston on the headsets, I said, well, enjoy it while it lasts, boys. <laughs> Throughout the season have fielded calls from a number of NFL teams and I'm hearing these grown men talking with a twinkle in their eye about this young quarterback in Provo, Utah and I realize yeah this guy's going to go and he's going to go early. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This <laughs> is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, apparently Lloyd just uh, tried to dial up Locke and got uh, the fax machine tone on his cell phone. <laughs> oh, don't you hate that? Well, I don't even remember who what it was like. Who has a fax anymore yeah. these who, days? Who has a fax machine? Oh, uh, I've called numbers before and got that that, that buzzy, that uh, high-pitched thing. Uh, yeah, and how would, it, how would it hook to his cell phone? That's a good question. Well, did you dial Maybe I misdialed. I don't know. I didn't think I did, but okay. Ringing now? All right. No fax machine tone this time. Jake, you of all people would know to, you know, your option one is to blame Lloyd. That is option one. That's always option one. That's a good point, Gordon. Uh, All right. uh, By the way, Counting Crows is your band of the day uh, today, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, go to LiveNation.com. Lloyd selected our band of the day today. I like Counting Crows. Good choice, Lou. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Something different. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our good friend, David Locke. What's going on, David? Hey, guys. Lots hey. going on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm looking at your setup outside the studio here for tonight. It looks good. Jeremy Potter, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, buddy. C- 
Incredible stuff. Hey, uh, you know, COVID-19 times, jumping through a lot of hoops. Shout out to Jeremy. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He did a great How's job. That going for, how's it going for you, David, having to uh, do it from the arena, uh, uh, road and home? Trying to do the best we can. Hopefully, I mean, really the question is how's it going for the listener. And hopefully, I mean, I think the things we can control, I think we're still doing better than most broadcasts in the league and have done, you know, we have great connections and great contacts. And we got a guy who's been in the league for 50 years and Ron Boone. And so I think we're still bringing, you know, unique in- insight to the team and what's taking place and, um, you know, trying to call the game the best we can. Well, your pre and post game shows need some work. Well, I mean, as long as we get assists between the two, <laughs> the main show will be okay. Yeah, we'll be all right. Uh, so, David, can I can I ask you a question about something Jake and I were talking about before we had you come on? And it's it's this uh, in dissecting that game last night. Uh, we were talking about the physical uh, disadvantages that the Jazz had and some mental uh, disadvantages. Uh, can you sort of give us a wrap of your thought on what you saw the jazz unable to slow down Kyrie Irving, unable to stop points in the paint and then, uh, not showing a whole lot of energy. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, I think they, we got beaten transition a lot early. Um, there's a kind of a myth out there that if you miss a three, it's a long rebound and people can run on it. I actually think the opposite is true. Like you go get a layup, you get in the paint, you flatten out the defense, and and sometimes when you miss those shots, they actually can run a little bit better because you're not floor balanced the way you were before. And when they got out and ran on us, um, we got cross matched all over the place defensively, and then couldn't guard our guys. So now they're in the paint kind of endlessly, and now they're kicking out to shooters or Kyrie's just doing his thing. Um, so I mean, it was just a it was just a bad start. I, I do think, and this is not an excuse, I just think this is the reality. Like, there are nights when – I talked about this on Lockdown Jazz. Like, as a um, – and maybe this is just me as a as a radio host, but, like, the greatest thing to me, the thing that, you know, was probably my most favorite part of the job other than, like, those big moments if you actually call them right and, or when you just feel a game perfectly as a play-by-play announcer. Like, those are the greatest. But there's the kind of the thing – is always is like the bus arrives at the arena and you get off the bus. You're usually underneath or in the case of Brooklyn, you've actually gone up a bus elevator and they spun you around on this little thing and it's totally awesome. And you get out and there's always people around and there's an energy and there's a vibe and you might go by the TV truck and then there's, you know, there's people walking around and you'll see other media and you can kind of feel it. You enter into the, you walk into the arena and the fans have begun to come in depending on what time you walk in. And there's just an energy to everything you're doing and you just start to, there's plenty of days in my career over the last 12 years in which I was really tired and we were on the back end of a back-to-back or I didn't take care of myself well enough or whatever it might have been. And I walked into the arena and, and didn't have any juice and, and, and you got off the bus and then you saw that and all that stuff started happening and then you started to pick it up a little bit and you didn't need the extra cup of coffee. You were just ready to go because you're in the arena and you saw Allie Love from Peloton and you're like, let's go. There's none of that this year. Right, so these guys get off the bus; they're one of like a hundred people in the arena, thirty-five of which just got off their bus, or now one of their four buses because there's four buses instead of two because they need to be separated for COVID. And so, and they're not sitting next to each other on a bus talking anymore; they're sitting separated on buses with their masks on. And so, I 
I just think that there's a little bit more of this, like you could walk into an arena and if you don't have your juice, there's not a thing that's going to get you your juice along the way. Um, and so I think these guys are going to have to learn and adapt on how to make sure they personally bring it every night instead of any external stimulus. David, how big of a problem are dynamic guards going to be for this team? Well, I mean, in one sense, we have Rudy in the middle, and the other sense, you know, we just don't have, you know, the, you know Royce last year it spent the fourth most amount of time on a Tier 1 offensive player of any player in the NBA. And the others are like are Terrence Ferguson, Lou Dort, and somebody intuitively obvious who I can't remember right now. Um, like, Lou Dort is a defensive mastermind. Terrence Ferguson is, like, really built, should be pretty good defensively. Like, um, oh, Torrey Craig. Like, that's what Torrey Craig does, right? Royce O'Neal's the next guy. Like, Royce O'Neal's not quite Torrey Craig or, or, or Lou Dort, but he's the best we got. Yeah. So that's his assignment every night, whether it's a big, strong four, LeBron James or Kyrie Irving. And that was just a heck of a lot to ask out of Royce. But but, but who's our second best on-ball defender? Yeah, I've, I've asked this question uh, uh, to myself a bunch of times. Shouldn't it be Donovan? Yeah, but you're asking an awful lot out of him on the other end. Yeah. So maybe for four possessions at a given moment in time, you can get that out of Donovan. But I don't think you can get it out of 60 possessions out of him. So is it Joe? Is it is it uh, your boy Mie? Well, it might be Mie. Like eventually, right? It might. Yeah, it might be Mie or Shaq Harrison. Like. Yeah, that's um, Shaq Harrison, David. That's a very interesting. Is he? Could he do it? Well, that's what he's made his name for in the league. I get. I haven't seen him enough to know. Um, I have my theory on this. I get very nervous about players that can't shoot. Um, it's my Ronnie Brewer corollary. Yeah. Like, we used to always talk about what a great defensive player Ronnie Brewer was. I'd love to really find out if the coaches actually thought he was that good a defensive player. But I almost felt like because he couldn't shoot and he was six seven and long, we just decided, and quite frankly, we do this to African-American players more than we do it to non-African-American players, that if they're six seven and they can't shoot, then they have to be elite athletes and great defensively. Well, I never thought Ronnie Brewer was that good defensively, watching him. Like, I just thought he couldn't shoot. And, like, I see it all the time in the league where, like, there's the guy who can't shoot, so immediately we say he's a great defensive player. Like, I might have done it with Torian Prince, but I, I think Torian Prince is a very good defensive player. He's also not a great shooter, right? Like, um, And so, like, Bruce Brown last night was not a very good shooter, so he must be a great defensive player or else he wouldn't be in the league. Like, you just kind of deduce those things. And so I sometimes think that you have to be um, – you know, I think you have to be. It's it's hard to figure out. So, David, I'm going to circle back to to uh, Rudy Gobert. The, his duty at the defensive end. What is what is he supposed to do when what happened last night is happening? Because it looked to me like at times he was having to cover three different guys spinning in circles, and then at other times he was getting shoved around down there. What what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'll just quote. I mean, I. Com- we can just quote Rudy for Rudy said he was terrible last night. Right. Like I'm not quoting. I'm not, I can quote Rudy on that one. Rudy said, um, I'm reading from this paper called the Salt Lake Tribune. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, you can subscribe and get it though. If you want to, um, Gordon, if you haven't done that already. Um, right. But I mean, like, I mean, what was Rudy's quote? I just didn't bring it tonight, especially in the first quarter. I have to set the tone for my team, my teammates every single night. And tonight, I didn't start the game with the intensity that I should have. Allen played a good game. He's a good player, but I started the game soft. So, I mean, I think Rudy's got to be better than he was last night.
but everyone. I mean, I I didn't think anyone was good last night. Like I'm not jumping up and down for but um, you know, Naismith created a game where 90 points are going to be scored, so I really could care less what anyone scored last night. Let me uh, can I follow that up real quick with a thought on what Donovan Mitchell said in the post game. Uh, I think it was something along the lines of "We got to decide what we want to be or what we are." He what said, "We here's Do- here's the, co- the the quotes are very different. It's interesting." Donovan's quote was, "We just didn't do much right tonight, and that can't happen. It's been the story all season. What we." What are we? Four and three, whatever it is, that's indicative of our play. We had two and a half good games, then three bad ones. So it's like we got to figure out who we want to be right now. David Locke is with us, uh, 97.5 and 12. Gordon Monson, you should write a column on those two quotes. (laughs) Yeah, that's – I I heard that, and it stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I was like – Okay, uh, let me ask you, David, how do you interpret that? I'm not going to interpret it. Sorry. Because because you can't or you don't want to? Because I don't know I'd be right. And that's too important a question for me to be wrong on and guess. So, uh, so Jake, uh, you and I are very irresponsible. Uh, what, what You're also not the radio have? voice of the team. You're the talk show host. So, like, I'm actually <laughs> in a stunning moment of my life understanding my role. Knock yourself out, Gordon. <laughs> Fire away. Just, uh, that sounds like Donovan was angry with the mindset. I mean, because there's nothing you can do about – if you can get beat physically, if you can't cover Kyrie Irving, you can't cover him. But Donovan is addressing something else there. It's attitudinal. It's it's uh, that you they have to be they have to, <laughs> what you hate. You guys hate this kind of broad top, but top uh, label, I guess. They have to be tougher, you know. But they have to be engaged in what's happening on the floor. And I think Donovan is seeing that, and maybe he's including himself in that observation. But he thinks the entire team needs to. Dial in and 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 give its best effort. I guess that's my interpretation. Gordon, you're good at your job. I'm I'm always. I mean, like I just don't want to comment. I just it's not a productive. Like I'm just going to pass. I, I rarely do it, um, but I'm going to pass. Well, time is short. Let me change the subject because I do want to get your thoughts on the Knicks, David, because they've been one of the surprises in the NBA uh, thus far. What is, what's your thought on the on their matchup tonight? I think they're going to be a real problem tonight. Um, I watched them against Atlanta, and I actually thought we had a I thought we had a better chance against the Nets than the Knicks, having watching watched them both play Atlanta. Julius Randle leads the NBA in isolation attempts. R.J. Barrett is playing much much better. Second year players across the league are playing really well. They've kind of had an extra training camp. Um, and R.J. Barrett looks really, really good. They don't have a good pick-and-roll game because Alfred Payton's not a great point guard. They have a better pick-and-roll game with Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel quickly than they do with um, Alfred Payton, and they went to that late the other night um, at a pretty high level. Um, uh, and he finished the game. was super impressive. Late pick. Good job by Walt Perrin, uh, former Jazz man, now on that staff. And... Uh, you know, I think they'll isolate, and Austin Rivers is a great isolation player. I, I think they're going to come down the floor. They're going to find um, whatever matchup they want, and they're going to dribble drive. Now, Mitchell Robinson should still be near the rim for Rudy, but, you know, we saw last night, every time Rudy had to come over and help, then they passed it either around. Nope, we didn't get a lot of backside help, 
or they got an offensive rebound on it. So I'm I'm really concerned tonight in our ability to guard them. I I think they they feel like a really tough. You know, we'll probably win by 20. I've been wrong on every game all year, um, but they're you know they're going to come right at us um, and just drive, just drive to the basket, maybe kick out. They're very they've been a pretty good spot of shooting team. So when we have to come help, it's going to be hard. I so I think that's um, uh, I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I'm, I'm concerned, and I'll, I'll tell you the other one that's concerning to me watching us. This is a little little tiny one for you. I'll share this with you. Usually you watch teams run small, small ball screens against teams to find matchups that they want. So like if you're playing Houston and Robert Covington was guarding Donovan Mitchell, you would bring James Harden's man up to the ball and run a pick so that James Harden switches on to Donovan Mitchell and let Donovan Mitchell attack James Harden, right? I'm not even seeing teams do that. Right? They're not avoiding – I haven't seen anyone run ball small, small screens to get matchups against us. They just are going. Like, that's – like, I don't know why that's concerning me. Maybe that's really silly. But, like, they're not avoiding Joe Ingles. If they have Joe Ingles, they just drive at him. If they have Donovan Mitchell, they just drive at him. If they have Mike Conley, they just drive at him. If they have Royce O'Neal, they just drive at him. If they have Boyan, they just go at him. They sometimes bring Boyan up. But they – you're not seeing a lot of you're not seeing a lot of that. Well, David, thank you for jumping on with us. As always, we'll uh, we'll see you in the building tonight. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. That's our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And uh, yeah, I I think um, I think the Knicks are going to be a little tougher than they traditionally are or have yeah. been uh, tonight. Yeah. We'll see. They've been a, a pretty good team. Tom Thibodeau is I mean, he's somebody that can can put a team together i mean he he's he knows what he's doing he's done it before uh i I guess the question that's still hanging with me is as i was hearing david talk about the knicks are the jazz capable it's so weird because what are they rated uh defensively they're like 12th in the league before last night they were 12th and offensively i think they were eighth if if they're going to hover in that 12th area as a defense, can they can they outscore teams? Well, we've seen the offense really work, Gordon. I think that kind of depends on the on the team. But I, I don't think this Jazz team is ever going to be just a, a run and gun, score 150 points a game type team. Well, let's let's take let's take one player as an example, Boyan Bogdanovich. He was getting beat last night time and time again. And at the offensive end, he is supposed to be able to make up for that. And he couldn't last night. Was he two of seven? But that's not what you expect out of Boyan Bogdanovich. So, I mean, if he's giving up 17 points, can he can he score 23? And is that even a, a reasonable way to look at it? Yeah, but now we're using arguments that we used to use to prop up Ennis Cantor. <laughs> Yeah, well, did we? How much did we do that? You know, Ennis gives up twenty-five points a game, but can he score twenty-nine? <laughs> well, I mean, didn't that thought cross your mind last night as you were watching Boyan at the defensive end? No, but what crossed my mind is that they need to get some stops <laughs> because they, they lost the collective. By, they they lost by thirty-four because they couldn't stop anybody. They the 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 Nets shot fifty five point nine percent from the field, Gordon. 
Did you see their uh, their points in the paint? I know everybody talks about that being an outdated stat, but they scored 68 points in the paint. Yeah. And what did Jazz have? Half that? Yeah, 40. So last night, I, I don't know. We can look at their shooting percentage, and we can we can bellyache about the offense, but they didn't get any stops. They have to get some stops. That was their biggest problem. So, okay, let me go back to my original question. If the Jazz are loaded up with players – uh, of likability to Boyan Bogdanovich, not in the specific, but in the overall, how can they slow teams down? Mm, probably not. Well, that's a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah, stopping people on the perimeter. We've been talking about it. It's been an issue for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Especially, especially against certain teams, like you were you brought up earlier. I mean, jeez. What if the Jazz have a great season and then in the first round of the playoffs they go up against a guard that can that nobody on the team can cover? You mean like am, uh, I, am I Jamal Murray? You mean Jamal Murray or James Harden or Steph Curry? <laughs> Sorry, James Harden for two years and then Steph Curry the year before that. That ty- those type of players? Yeah, That's it's an issue. Thing. It's been an issue for a minute. And I mean, Kyrie could do that to a lot of <laughs> defensive players, or players who intend to play defense. But if if every team struggled the way the Jazz did last night, then that's would be undefeated, and uh, the Jazz wouldn't have a win. All right, stay tuned. Big thanks to Locke for jumping on with us. We'll have more next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. About the front door like a ghost into a fog where no one notices the contrast of white on white. And in between the moon and you, angels get a better view of the crumbling difference between wrong and right. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jazz uh, Knicks coming your way at 5.30 tonight. Pre-game show will begin at 4.30. Quick college basketball note, Gordon, we talked about it a little bit uh, yesterday, but uh, BYU has, I guess, bumped up their game at Gonzaga to uh, tomorrow night at 630. Um, BYU had lost three consecutive games uh, to uh, coronavirus issues, uh, some postponements, and, you know, obviously got together with ESPN and Gonzaga and decided to pull a game up that was uh, scheduled to be played in February to be played tomorrow 
And I got to tell you, I, I like it. This is just the type of flexibility that I think this situation needs. If, if we are, are going to get through the college basketball season, I think this type of open thinking, as, as with at times we saw during the football season, is, is what's called for. I'm sure you know, Mark Pope would have liked a little more time to uh, prepare for the best team in the country. But you know what? Let's, let's get a great basketball game in while we can. Well, it's uh, good back to my Bruce Springsteen song about uh, with every wish comes a curse. Of course, uh, competitively, uh, yeah, you want to face you want to face a team like that at any opportunity you can. But man, Gonzaga is good. Yep. <laughs> I mean that they uh, by what I've seen. I think they are by far the best team in the country. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. But we've seen BYU beat some good Gonzaga yeah. teams in the past, so I wouldn't. Well, last year. Last year, and uh, you know, I always go back to the one uh, in at, at Gonzaga where they the newspaper had already printed the headline: "Bulldogs go undefeated." You know, they were trying to pull off an undefeated college basketball season, and BYU went up there and beat them. So. You know, we've seen them beat some good Gonzaga teams in the past. And, I, you know, this BYU team is, what, 9-2? and two? And this will be by far their biggest test. But that win against San Diego State was pretty nice. So, you know, this is a, a decent Cougar team, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Well, why wouldn't you? I, I mean, everybody should love seeing this. Yeah, but it, there is the danger that they could be absolutely blown off the floor. Yeah, it could happen. But, I mean, what do they have to lose? I mean, yeah. Good point. And and if you're a competitor, these are the kinds of teams you want to play. Think about if, if the same could be said for football as basketball. BYU, you know, wants a chance to play the best team in the country. Well, well, it helps that they're in the same conference, but they can arrange it, even in difficult environment. Uh, BYU, man, let's play Alabama in football. Yeah, let's schedule it. <laughs> That'd be good. Ah, yeah, that's the that's one of the real advantages to basketball over football. The, the opportunity, the window for opportunity, is uh, more ably uh, opened. And in the case of football, BYU could say all day long, "We want to play Bama. We want to play the Crimson Tide. Let us at them." <laughs> Ain't happening. When I want to, honestly, the game I want to see BYU beat Gonzaga. Is the is down in Vegas, and down at the Orleans in the West Coast Conference Tournament, where Gonzaga, what have they won, Gordon? It's like eleven out of the last thirteen years, or something nuts. And I don't, I don't know about uh, this spring if if there will be a lot of fans down there. But I've covered a lot of West Coast Conference tournaments, and those Gonzaga fans are just obnoxious. They're like the only <laughs> fans down there, and they're just so annoying because they just win all the time. And BYU has suffered some some heartbreaking defeats down there at the hands of uh, of the Bulldogs. So that's you know we've seen BYU beat Gonzaga in Provo. We've seen them beat a beat them up there in Spokane. I'd really like to see. BYU get their number down there in Vegas because it just they just don't lose down there very much. Are you suggesting that the Gonzaga fans are the most uh, annoying and insufferable uh, of any fan base? Any fan base out there? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that because there are a lot of insufferable fan bases out there. But it's it's like their Super Bowl. You know, they've been so dominant in basketball. And this is why Vegas is such a great place for, like, conference tournaments because these fan bases, and I'm exaggerating a little bit because a lot of BYU fans go down there. You see some St. Mary's fans, and uh, there are other fan bases that represent. But, you know, it's a destination that time of year. The the weather is nice, and you can go down. If you're a college basketball fan, there's there's not a better spot. I mean, you can be yeah. wall-to-wall college basketball all day, every day, 
and uh, and it's a lot of fun. But Gonzaga is just so dominant down there, you know, Gordo. It's they're just so good, and a lot of that I do think uh, has to do with the fan base that travels because you know they don't have a football team. Uh, they're Spokane isn't the biggest town in the world, not a ton to do. And they, they all mark it down on their calendars a year in advance, going to Vegas for that tournament. And they always have a good showing and it always does give them, give them an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with everything you said. And, uh, yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch. By the way, we didn't even talk about this yesterday, but, uh, what do you think of uh, the NCAA tournament being uh, scheduled all the games in Indiana? Yeah. You know what I think about that? The same thing I think about a lot of this stuff. Whatever you got to do, let's let's just not have another NCAA tournament canceled. And if you gotta, you know, uh, put it all in one venue, it's fine with me. That's a lot of logistics for one city, but you know, if they can handle it. Well, I think they're going to spread it around, aren't they? Uh, what do you mean? But between venues, yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you put all those teams in one spot, I mean, I got you. From transportation to hotel yeah. to venue, I mean. It's going to be nuts. But, you know, Indiana, pretty appropriate place to hold it, in my opinion. Yeah, pretty synonymous I, I with uh, with college basketball. So, yeah, I, whatever you got to do. Well, from the teams that I've seen uh, thus far this season play, Gonzaga, to me, is uh, by far the favorite. Is that what all the, all the experts are saying? I don't know. I haven't uh, perused that. But they sure look good to me. And so, yeah, bring on the opportunity for the Cougars. You know, I, I think – the risk of getting blown out by 25 is is worth the reward of you know shocking the world well it's i mean they're just moving a previously scheduled game so it's not right. like they're adding a game to the schedule they would have played gonzaga well, anyway right well we get it now instead of later <laughs> we do we do get it now uh, i think they're going to be pretty good later too though might i add <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah true <laughs> I don't there's think- no avoiding it it's like uh, it's like that train coming straight at you. Uh, you got to do the best you can, and yeah. that's what uh, that's what the Cougars will do. Can you imagine if BYU won that game? Well, they they would probably seal their uh, NCAA tournament bid, or come oh. pretty close. Well, that's the other smart thing about the WCC here. You've you've got a handful of you know good teams, and the rest of the league is just kind of there. So you don't want to run the risk of losing one of your better games. I mean, this would be a good win for Gonzaga too. Keep in mind, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. they got a. It's it's a good thing they're getting it in. Uh, okay, we'll have more big show coming up. Stay tuned. Don't forget pregame takes over at four thirty. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone.